Hi, I'm Andy Psarianos. Hi, I'm Robin Potter. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School Podcast. Are you a math teacher looking for CPD to strengthen your skills? Math No Problem has a variety of courses to suit your needs. From textbook implementation to the essentials of teaching math mastery, visit mathsnoproblem.com today to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the School of School podcast. We've got special guest today, Joe Sawyer, who's joining us, and Joe is a very important person in mathematics education, primary mathematics education in the UK. She's worked with Maths No Problem for a long time. She's uh, part of the NCETM and all around a super person. So, Joe, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Wow, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I'd, I'd put myself in such a high praise, but thank you for that, Andy. Well, um, we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> take that. So I'm hugely passionate about maths. At the moment, I spend two days of my week teaching primary mathematics. I've got a year three class and I spend two days with them. And my other three days, I'm a primary consultant and I work with a range of practitioners. I do some ITT training with people who are looking to go into teaching. And then I work with early career teachers and teachers and leaders who have been in education for many years, looking at how we can develop their um, mathematical systems in school and their understanding of mathematical pedagogy. Fantastic. So today we're talking about the ingredients that combine to make an effective lesson. First of all, is there such a thing? And uh, if there is, what do we believe they are? So go on, Joe. We'll give you the first chance to, to t- tell us what you think about this. <laughs> okay, thank you, Will. The, this one came from, I'm, I'm going to put the total blame on Adam for this, because I was listening Uh-oh. to one of the other podcasts where he talked about the analogy of a queen coming to visit a school. And, you know, quite every four years or so, a queen might come to visit a school. And it was like what you'd said about do the should there be the right type of biscuits? You talked about the school generally, but I was kind of homing in on that from a teaching point of view. Do teachers need to have the ingredients on hand for their classes? So it was really just looking at what makes an effective lesson. And and clearly that's changed over the years, having been in teaching 20 years. What what was a good lesson years ago is, is perhaps would not be so good now because we've moved on with our um, kind of professional understanding of how children learn. But what is it that makes it effective? And do two separate classes in two areas of the country or two different contexts of classes have to have the same ingredients or elements for a successful lesson? And does it depend on whether the class maybe is pure age group, mixed age, um, whether the children are working at attainment or below attainment? And does it depend on the experience of the teacher should there be allowances or should every class be able to produce a similar quality of lesson? And then who is it to say that that lesson is high quality or not? Is it an individual feel? Because if a human is observing a lesson, obviously there's going to be some individual, you know, they're going to come at it from an angle of what their understanding is. If I was to go and observe an early years lesson, I wouldn't be as confident in going to observe um, a year three lesson. And equally, I wouldn't be as, as, as able to observe a lesson in geography as I would in mathematics. So what is it that makes an effective lesson? And is it 
pace? Is it children's engagement? Is it learning within the lesson? Or how do we look at learning over time rather than just in one lesson? Are we expecting collaboration? Are we expecting greater depth at the end, threaded through a lesson? It it just, I don't know, when you're having these discussions with teachers of what does anybody observing a lesson look for, is there a set of ingredients that somebody can go, right, okay, this is my tick list for a lesson? Or is it just is it just a feel for a lesson in general? Is, is there like a, a palpable feel to the pace and the excitement and the learning and the buzz? So it's more of a kind of a question to throw out there, really. I definitely don't have an answer to this one. I think what, what just just to make sure that, that the main point for those who ha- those haven't listened to the episode or something, I think what I was saying was is that often I saw practice in schools that I didn't think was necessarily that good because people were very worried that someone they always talked about, have I got the evidence for this or have I got this? And the, and the motivation for doing certain things, which I didn't think was good teaching practice, was for someone that may never visit. And, and they're assuming that this person is looking for these particular things, right? Which I think is a really unhealthy attitude because it, what we should be doing on a daily basis should benefit the children full stop, no matter who's visiting. So if if they've not if they've not heard it, I'm assuming that was an, the analogy that I'd use because it used to frustrate me to bits when when teachers used to say yes, but what evidence do I or what evidence for this or evidence for that? And it used to drive me crackers because I'm like, who are you showing the evidence to or what what impact it has? So just 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 very simply, and then sorry, Andy, to interrupt you, but just just to make that very clear that that good teaching practice it should be irrelevant who's who's seeing it because that the only relevance and the reality is is that teachers spend the vast majority of time with just them and the kids and and what's relevant is what we do with the children so just just in case so take, taking that then if you take just like on an everyday lesson if if you were to be a fly on a wall in an everyday lesson yeah. what what yeah. would make it yeah. effective what would what would how would you know there was impact it depends what you mean by effective if effective means getting a good offstead report right that's different like an effective good Ofsted lesson by that what I mean is is that what you're worried about is what Ofsted thinks about it is very different than effective from what the children learn point of view could be entirely different right you know learning can be extremely messy and chaotic looking when you, if you're just dropping in in a parachute for an afternoon, how much could you possibly gather as to what the long-term effect of what that person is doing? It's almost impossible. It's like, you know, learning's a really messy process, right? Not every lesson looks like an outstanding lesson. Most lessons probably don't look anything like what, what, what you know, would be categorized as an outstanding lesson from, a, from, a, from an inspector body. But I don't think, but, but I think we put, like what Adam says, I think we put too much weight on that, that sort of inspection Thing, right? Look at it from the military point of view, for example. I mean, this is maybe a stupid analogy, but I don't think it is. You know, every once in a while, the military, they all put, you know, they all spit shine their boots and make sure that the creases are perfect on their trousers and their hats on right and whatever. They march up and down the road and they look really impressive, right? And that's one mode that the, that the military operates in. But it doesn't look like anything like that on the battlefield, right? On the battlefield, it's chaotic, it's messy, you know, there's the fog of war, you know, it doesn't like, so there's like these two different modes. And teaching's a bit like that. So if you think of teaching children as fighting a war, you know, the learning process is really messy. But so then you have to ask, well, what is it, what is a, what does an effective lesson look like? Well, an effective lesson has to have a certain element of, 
you know, key components. There has to be an element of um, exploration and struggle in a classroom, right? There has to be, a, there has to be an element of, uh, of, of discussion and reflection in a classroom. Oh, we did this, why did we do it that way, right? Those kinds of things. There has to be an element of structure right? Of like, okay, we did all these things. What do those things mean, right? How do we, how do we, what's the language that we use to, to structure this? There has to be an element of practicing. And those are the things, now what order you do them in and who you do them with and how you do them and whatever, that's really circumstantial. It depends. What are you teaching? What stage are they at? You know, if this is the first lesson they've ever done on multiplication, it's kind of really hard to have a success criteria at the end of the day, if they've never had any exposure to multiplicative reasoning, you can guarantee that 80% of the class still will not be anywhere near where you need them to be, right? As far as success, you can't define the success criteria, but you can define it maybe after eight lessons or 10 lessons, right? So if you drop it on the first lesson, it isn't going to look like an effective, successful lesson, right? So that, I guess that's what I mean, you know? It's like... That's where teachers' professional, um, professional discretion and experience needs to come into play. As long as they understand that every day has to have an element of, you know, all those kinds of key components that should take place in a, in a classroom. I think that's the best answer I could ever give, you know, but, you know, what do I know, right? I, I guess, no, I think you, you know a lot, Andy. I mean, with, with that then, is, is being a successful teacher or a successful lesson, knowing the learning trajectory, so you you kind of you're not seeing it necessarily like does a lesson have to be a lesson or is a lesson kind of over a series of days sometimes I don't know it's just a different way of thinking about it but you need to know where the children are going. Well, I don't know if the teacher needs to know the ins and outs of every aspect of the learning jury because I don't think that anybody other than really really seasoned um, professionals who spend a lot of time thinking and, and and working in that space will ever really know that. And even then, it's always kind of there's a certain judgment call in that. Um, that's a really difficult ask for a teacher. I don't expect teachers would ever know. Well, you know, like if you ask, you go ask teachers, okay, should you teach fractions first or decimals first, right? Just ask a teacher that. How many of them will have an opinion on it? Like have ever thought of that? Probably not too many. And if they have thought about it, how many of them have come to the correct conclusion? Teachers, the answer's fractions. <laughs> If Andy comes into your school, that's it. Right? No, but I'm serious, right? So, like, why would you know that, right? No, it's a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you going to come to that conclusion? It it takes decades of experience and research to come up to the answer to that. Teachers don't have time to think about stuff at that level. They have to manage a class and deliver the lesson of the day. So, so, so it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a joint effort, right? Everybody has to work together. And the right experience and knowledge and stuff needs to come in at the right time. And we need to make use of that. So, you know, it's a team effort, I guess, is my point, right? We don't have enough time to teach teachers how to do that. And we certainly don't have enough time to teach teachers on how to create a perfect content for a day. don't have time. They don't have time. They just don't have time. I don't have time. You know, nobody has time. Like, that's an expert job, right? You know what I mean? That's a you study your whole life to know that. But 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 even I think I think the other thing that we have to accept too. I think you know when we first came into teaching, I used to find it astounding that someone could come in and watch me for half an hour and make a judgment on me as a teacher, and not only that, make a judgment on me as a person. 
you know, like like how can someone do that, you know? But they did, and it, and your your sort of success and everything. And schools relied on it, and I was put in that position too, where I had to do exactly the same thing. But of course, it's a nonsense because I can't do that. And not only that, I I might go into a classroom now. I've been teaching for a long time. I I'm I'm a keen learner. I've worked with good people, so I should be pretty good at it, right? I should be by rights. I should be a pretty good teacher. I could have a real rubbish lesson tomorrow. I could have a lesson mm. that just doesn't go the way I want it to. And, and if any one of you came in and observed it, you might go, oh, he's not much chop as a teacher. Hey, wh- wh- what's he up to? Well, get him out. But the following day, you know, you'd like to think that I would have more better days than I, than I you know, have, have days that, that I, I could have been better or it could have gone better. You know, and I think that's the thing. I think that that same learning, that, that's the, the most important part for me. It's not just the children learning, but the teachers learning. Because the scariest thing that I ever saw in education was where you saw the same teacher, but they didn't change. They didn't change over time. They didn't feel they needed to get better, or they didn't learn anymore, or they didn't think about how could I help that child. And it was always the same children or the same type of children or same type of, type of, type of problem. And I think that's the, that's the worrying part. So yeah. based on that, is an effective lesson, is a, is a huge part of that, reflecting on how effective the lesson was and being able to move forward. So even if it's a bad lesson, can a reflection on that to know how to move forward make it more effective? Oh, look, of course, you only need to look at the highest performing jurisdictions in education. Now, I'm going to remove Shanghai slightly because I think there's slightly different parameters there, but they still have the same element, right? So they've got teachers that are given time to consider. The Japanese lesson study, they consider. The Singaporean government, they've considered their curriculum and how they train teachers for ages. Why are all of these people doing so well in education and therefore their children doing so well in education? Because they consider how to make it better. And they don't expect that change to happen overnight. You know, like, like, like I said, if I can make a judgment call on one person in half an hour and then write to them, say, right, you need to work on these things. As if I'm so good that just by writing a few bullet points and I give it to you, Joe, that tomorrow you're going to become this outstanding teacher overnight because I've observed you for half an hour and given you a couple of bullet points to take away. What a joke. My ego would have had to have been so huge or I needed to be indoctrinated in the system that told me that that was the right thing to do and that was going to make you a better teacher. It's a nonsense. So so in answer to your question, yes, of course, we, we always should be reflecting on how we can be better and then working on them in a way that we can actually embed it. So it's not token. It's not like, oh, well, I'll put these trays in this order. Oh, no, I've also got to do that thing by the window. Oh, and quickly lower the lights. Oh, God, where's the scented candle? You know, like we can't do all of these things at once because we think they're going to help. But what we can do is be considered. And also, I think the, 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 the kind of final point of the, the rant is that these things take time. Right, so, so we, we, we know how long it takes for children to learn. Well, why don't we afford the same, I was about to say luxury, it's not a luxury, it's professionalism. Well, why don't we, why don't we afford that professionalism to, to teach as well and say that the whole process of getting better at anything takes time, you know? And, and just by the way, I thought I'd drop this in as well. I've actually been part of a royal visit 
and they're a piece of piss. They're easy. They are so straightforward because you get given a little book and it tells you at what time you shake. In this case, it was the Duke of Gloucester, I believe, who came to visit. It, it, you get a little book and it tells you he will shake your, your hand at that time. But do you know what made the biggest impact? And I think this is also part of what makes an effective lesson is the wee kids that come up to you and go, Mr. Gifford, who's this guy? And you're talking to him and you know the child, right? So, so it's as simple as that. You've got to know your children and you've got to have a connection and it's about relationships mm. as well, right? They've got to trust you and, and if they've got your trust, then, then, then and you're willing to learn and you're willing to learn alongside them to be better, then good things usually happen in those, in those classrooms. And, and I think that that's the, that's the healthy way to kind of... Um, to, to go about it. it it's not it's not a you know stick it in the microwave and and all of a sudden boom there goes a you know i'm still trying to be a better teacher and i've been trying for 20 years and i'm still going to keep trying you know it's simple as that so let's go back to the core question here to wrap it up right so the core question was are there a set of ingredients that combine to make an effective lesson um adam what do you think yes or no i think there's some elements that have to be there and I think the starting place is you've got to have a relationship with the children. You've got to know where they're at. And, and, and you've also got to accept that you are learning alongside to be better and never let that go. What about you, Joe? Because you haven't actually said anything and this was your idea to talk about this. Yeah, I, I didn't really have an answer. That's why I asked the question. I would say, yeah, I think there is. I think you have to be reflective all the time. I think you always have to seek to be better, whether that's from your own reflection or listening to the advice of, of others. But I do think that the children need to have certain elements within the um, within a lesson, I think they need to listen to each other. I think they need to have that kind of collaboration um, to sort of share the ideas, not just from the teacher, but from w within their own knowledge as well. I was doing a lesson on pollination today and a little boy in my class told me far more about it than I knew already, even with a bit of research. So I think you have to work as a team to, to kind of move each other forward. And I do think that you, the children need to know that you're part of their team being a, a teacher in the classroom for me that's really important and then the whole thing like I suppose pace and learning over time and all of those as well but yeah I think there are some ingredients that are there and there are others that you can add with sprinkles I'm gonna I'm going to cop cop out a little bit on this one I'm gonna say I think the most important ingredient to have a successful lesson is to understand what is to have a sound understanding of what the research says about how children learn and to try to apply that in the classroom. And I think that that's, this, there's a several layers of that, um, and I can walk through them very quickly. I think the, maybe one of the most important things as a teacher, if you want to have an effective lesson, is to have an idea of what it is you want the children to learn, and how are you going to know whether or not they learn it. Um, I think that that's really important. What are you going to do if they already know it? You should have a plan because some children may already have grasped the concept to quite high level before you even start lesson. And what are you going to do if they can't get there? So not my idea. This is very common framework for, for uh, lesson planning. I think you should have answers to that before you start, right? I think um, you should ensure that there's a level of exploration and discovery in the class, but this is an not an overwhelming amount, but just enough to kind of spark the you know, creation of the hook. So the creation of the hook is in relation to Piaget, which basically says you have to have a certain amount of productive struggle in a classroom in order to create the hook that you're going to put your code on. There needs to be an element of that in the classroom, but you can't leave them 
can't just leave the coat hanging like that, can't leave the kids hanging like that. You then need to put structure around that because ultimately there's a responsibility to structure that information in a way that something we discussed in another podcast where, you know, you need to develop the, the mathematical language, the framework, the, the vocabulary, all those things. So that structuring needs to take place in the, in the lesson. It doesn't have to be a lot, but there needs to be enough structure in there so that you can rationalize what you did. Over and beyond that, then there needs to be an element of reflection. So going back, because, and again, you know, this is going to John Dewey, we don't learn from doing, we learn from reflecting. So now you've done a bunch of stuff, now you need to reflect on what you've done. There should be an element of that in each lesson. It doesn't have to be a lot, just a little bit. Just go back and say, we did these things, why did we do those things? How does that fit in with the structure that we talked about? Where do you go from that? You then need to take that, and then you need to practice it. Why? Because practice is how you... Uh, remember things, right? And how you learn to uh, apply what you know in a larger context. So practice is about variation. It's not about drill. It's not about repetition. It's really about variation. And then you need very well varied questions to practice on, hopefully written by a professional who knows what they're doing, and use those to practice what you've just learned, right? I think the other element that comes to a, a, a successful um, lesson is humility, right? Teachers need to be a little bit more humble sometimes and not believe that they have the answers for everything. Be, spend more time being empathetic and being humble and, and see each lesson as an opportunity to better themselves by observing and being really kind of empathetic about what's going on in the classroom and addressing those things and, and developing themselves as they go along. I think those are the elements. I think if, you, if you're doing a collection of those things, you, your lessons will look good. That's really hard, by the way, what I just said. That's really, that's like impossible, right? But that's, that's you know, that's, that's what the research says, right? So if you want to look at research, if you want to apply it on what we know about education, tons of research has been done, that's what it says. Right. Of course, you have to agree with that, and I think I think that 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 what you're saying is it does provide that structure. It makes it clear, easy to understand what you need to do, and I think that you. I'm glad that you put the last bit in, and it takes time, but that's okay, because you've got time, and and you know, and, and it'll be all right. And I think that that structure, well, it works well. And, and I'd say that as someone that's used it in the classroom, or no, who's tried to use it in the classroom and has continued to try to use it better. Uh, but, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that you're absolutely right, Andy. So hopefully there's lots of bits that you can take away from this and, um, yeah, have a go. But be kind and, and get them, you know, just bits at a time. A little bit better every day. That's right. That's, that's what you want to And I for. think we all need to be grateful for all the teachers that are out there, by the way. You know, I think that's something that we... For sure. It's easy to criticize teachers. And we do it professionally, and we do it as parents, and we do it as you know, all kinds of levels. But we need to be grateful because it is, you know, it is a tremendous responsibility, and it is one of the most challenging things, you know, that you really need to have great intentions to be a, a great teacher because... Um, you'll be knocked down all the time consistently by everyone around you. Just stay true to what you believe is, you know, and, and you know, we should be thankful that we have enough people to teach our kids, right, with all the obstacles that we put in front of them. Thank you for joining us on the School of School podcast. Mm-hmm.